When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Troy. You're listening to Tobin Tonight. Troy, how happy are you to be on this podcast on a scale of one to ten? I'm a solid, uh, solid eight and a half to nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. Like, that's fair. Don't want to have the bar so high where you're like, dude, I had nothing else left to do today. I am obviously <laughs> on here for this. <laughs> Been dreaming of this moment yeah, for yeah. my entire life. I, I would be concerned. I would have to call you and be like, listen, Troy, like, don't worry. There's there's obviously other things you can do. <laughs> it's like, are you sure, man? And the first thing I want to ask you, growing up, were you a very like artsy kid or like were you involved in sports? Because I feel like a lot of the artsy kids, I'm almost like never picked up a hockey stick never bounced a basketball, but they knew at a young age, like, this is what I want to do. Were you that type of kid? I was kind of a jack of all trades. Oh, nice. So I, um, I played football, soccer, basketball, baseball. I was on the swim team. I did a bunch of stuff. And then at the same time, I loved to sing and act and do all of it. But my kind of my sport when I was younger was skateboarding. Okay. So like I would skateboard a lot and it got to the point where football and everything took up a lot of my summer. And I was kind of like, I don't want to spend my summer every day doing football practice. I'm late to puberty. So I'm like four <laughs> foot five and, and everybody else is bigger than me. This isn't fun. So I, my parents were like, yeah, super supportive of that. Why would we make you do it if you don't want to do it? So I would just skate and I started acting and, you know, singing and, and I kind of just moved around the, I've always been an athletic person. I think it's interesting because, of course, when you like, I I'll go into a little bit of the, I guess, background of myself because, like, mm-hmm. I yeah. I was into sports. Now I wasn't. I was never a star player. Like, I I couldn't play hockey. I can play ball hockey. That's about it. Mm-hmm. I was in basketball, but never a star player. But it was just something to be interacting or engaging with. I was yeah. pretty good. I was pretty good bowler, but no one wants to hear about yeah. bowling. <laughs> But like, my brother was on the bowling team. Yeah. Oh, oh, there you go. I was a really good bowler. Yeah, yeah. That's our next podcast episode. Troy's <laughs> yeah. brother and I. Troy's brother and bowling. bowling. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But like, yeah. I, I was, I guess, I don't know where my interest really got into it, but I think it was just something on the side where I was like, man, I like being kind of a, a comedian or being a funny person. Now, I was never a class clown either, but getting a first laugh, you were kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, this is uh, endearing. But I got into, I think, grade. I want to say grade six or grade seven got into acting doing a school play. And I only had one little line, which was, I was a mouse and I had to basically say, oops, I mean, eek. And then I had a big kind of monologue and another part, but I was like, okay, this is fun, but it was never really something that drove me to go farther. It does now. Like I still wish I was involved in acting, Mm -hmm. but like I'm 12, just say if I was 11 or 12, that's, I'm at like a junior high level, stage where <laughs> your age at 12 you're doing like broadway musicals <laughs> well <laughs> but it's, it, it sometimes still feels the same i mean yeah you know like getting on stage and performing whether it's for seven people or 700 people i mean it's still if you enjoy performing you know it's it, it feels the same yes like the <laughs> that feels different than like <sighs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. By a bunch of people but it's still like the joy in performing it's still there. I, I want to ask, because it was Oliver, I believe, and you mm-hmm. were 12. How did you, I guess, get that part or like figure out this part? Like, I know people are going to be asking, like at 12, how do you even get this opportunity per se? Well, I started acting kind of, I did like school plays and I did the regional theater around my town, which was the Algonquin Theater. Okay. And I was like Humpty Dumpty in Alice in Wonderland. And then I was Kanicki in Greece. And I sang Beauty School Dropout as well. I was two roles, which was kind of weird. Yeah. But, but so I kind of talked to my parents about like, oh, I, I really enjoy this. And then I did the traveling kind of holiday troupe at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank. Yvonne Scott, who was, who was running that, said to my parents like, hey, he's like, if, you're, if you want to do this, like you should get a manager, 
go to New York and, and do it because he's got something. And my parents were like, okay. And so we got a manager and kind of was driving to New York every day for auditions. I did commercial auditions for Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. you know, all the little like those types of things. But with Oliver, I remember I got the audition and I just, I had to sing consider yourself uh, as the artful Dodger. And yeah. I went in and I sang the song and they were like, yeah, we like getting those types of auditions are like, they'll bring a bunch of people and then they'll let some people go and they'll, some people will stay and then they'll let more people go and other people yeah. stay, you know, kind of all happens in the same day. And it got to the point where they're like, yeah, do a scene. And they were like, you're going to do an accent and, <laughs> like in a Cockney accent. And I sang it in like, you know, the whole like yeah. thing in an accent. And they told me to stay. And I said to my mom, I was like, yeah, I sang it in a, like a British Cockney accent. And she's like, you know how to do a British Cockney accent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, hey, I, I, I just, I just tried. I just tried it. And they were like, yeah. And then did the scene and they liked it. And then I had another callback where we kind of, it was a little more like meet Troy and kind of talk about, you know, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do the scene again. And can you take direction or, you know, do all of that stuff. And, <laughs> and after that, they were like, yeah, this is, we like this guy. So imagine at 12 telling them when they ask, can you take direction? You, you just hear the song of, uh, I, I don't know who sings it, but it's like, fuck you. You don't know what you do. <laughs> and then you just, it's, like, it's like, whoa, it's like, whoa, dude. It's like, you're talented, but I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, no, I was a spaz as a child. I, I kind of keep that energy level as an adult, but I kind of like understand that I should yeah. not be a total spaz. So as a 12 year old, I was the guy who would sit in a long car ride and be like, you know, and singing Seinfeld yeah. theme songs. And it would be like, dude, just shut up. Just, like just we're relax. just trying to drive and it would be three hours of making sound that stuff that doesn't matter. And it's like, this kid needs to just run yeah. for seven miles and then take a nap. Yeah. And that was me, but able to take that energy and put it into performing and kind of center it. Yeah. I guess works for my advantage. Yeah, obviously. Cause I mean, in, even in your teen years, you were involved in like, I think I'm just going to double check. Mm -hmm. it was like, uh, there was a Christmas, a Christmas story, I believe. Yep. And then it was 13. So like, obviously, you know, you made the right career choice, right. And in, in, in this term and sense, but I like the fact that, again, coming at like 12 or 13, getting cast in this. And it's like, I like your response of pretty much like, if you're involved in it, if you like it, great. Cause I can imagine, I, I'm only at like a small little, you know, junior high. And in my mind, I was kind of like, I guess it's similar, like you were mentioning, but like, I was thinking in my mind, like if I bomb this, I bomb this. This is only people's parents, yeah. like who gives a crap. But there was a point where they actually had to call me because we were like, it's Christmas time. So we were, in another room watching i guess it was like i don't know some kind of christmas movie because if you're not in part of it you could go out into another room and watch you christmas. can go do and make yeah. crafts yeah and so like and and you know then of course they're telling you like hey just remember that you come on in the scene and my parents make fun of me to this day for it but it was like the lady says her line and then i'm supposed to come out but i'm over in another room watching a christmas movie she says it again i'm supposed to come out nothing and then the the person that's running the whole musical comes out and be like we're going to take five for a minute this is a really good part we're going to have to go find him and then like and then of course i i come out because someone like comes into the room and tells mm -hmm. me you missed your part and then i was like oh shit and then the yeah. teacher like has to mic you up because you're only like i guess like 10 or 11 you don't know all the mm -hmm. mic stuff and then i'm like coming over and i'm like i'm so sorry she's like shut the fuck up i'm putting <laughs> this mic she's like i'm putting this mic on you you're going to be live and i was like Oh God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then when we were done, I was like, I'm so sorry. She's I'm sure she was like, it's fine. But in a part of her, she's like, never casting this guy again. She's like, this is my livelihood and you've ruined. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a part of me like later on in life that just wants to see like how she's doing. Cause I know she has a child that was like involved, obviously a very talented child that was involved in singing and I'm sure she yeah. did well, but there's a point that I'm sure if she's seen my future, she was like, I'm kind of glad that he's not involved in that anymore. <laughs> I'd be like, he really? Totally botched my my stage career. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talk to me a little bit now. Of course, you know, getting involved in these musicals. Like, how did you wind up and say, "This is us" and victorious? Like, how does this come apart? Because I would imagine now it could be a little bit past the time. But like, mm -hmm. why weren't you in a high school musical? Why aren't you in these high school musical remakes? Like, what's going on? I don't know. 
I don't know. Why not? I, I think like right kind of I was in that 13, 14 kind of that pocket where your voice yeah. goes from being all the way up here to, ah, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and you can't, I was like just too tall to Broadway at 14 because you had to be under five, two. Oh, wow. Okay. And I was like five, three and my voice was changing and they don't want to cast some who every night can, is singing something different because that's not consistent and they can't like, you know, you can't package that. Yeah. So I kind of said to my parents that I would like to go to Los Angeles. You know, I, I in, think I enjoyed film and television as much as I love musical theater. Um, and I still do to this day. And I'd love to get back on stage soon. Film and TV were kind of more like, oh, that, that seems interesting. And at the same time, kind of within the melting pot, that is what was happening. I yeah. started writing music. I was kind of like, oh, it got kind of changed up a little bit. My parents were like, yeah, that sounds great. So my mom and I went to California with actually the kid who played Oliver in Oliver. Oh, really? Okay. His, his family was moving to Los Angeles and we were good friends. We had to, we actually stayed together during Oliver because I was coming from New Jersey and he was yeah. coming from Boston. So it was him, his sister and his mom. So we kind of like were roommates for like two months. Great family. Like love him. I was li literally talking to him and, and his sister before this. So yeah. we were kind of let's play my Dad got a job in Atlanta. He went there. My brothers went to college and we kind of just like dispersed. So I was in LA kind of training and just meeting everybody and writing music. And I got a, an agent and a, and a manager out there and I signed with Innovative and Innovative was like, well, he doesn't really have any credits. Let's kind of give yeah. him a test run and we'll see what he can do. And so first three auditions, I booked all three of them and they were like, <laughs> okay, yeah, well we can, he can stay. Yeah, um, that's cool. And I was like, all right, well, cool. Then I made a good decision by being here. Yeah. And over time, you know, I've had different managers, different agents and, and such, but kind of growing through that, I was able to be on victorious and, you know, the last ship and this is us. And it's just kind of growing into that whole world as well as writing music yeah. and kind of building that voice as well. So you're growing into being an adult. You're kind of taking it all in. Yeah. And I hope like, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but it's like, you know, cause of course with this is us, you're working with Mandy Moore mm -hmm. and then I'm victorious. You've had obviously Victoria justice mm -hmm. and Ariana Grande, or as she has told us, and I don't know why people don't listen. It's not even grande. I think it's like grand or it's like grand or whatever. Like she said it in an interview. It's not even grande, but like, it, I love how I seen this clip once and they were explaining it. I think it was like a UK radio show. And they're like, actually it's interesting. Her last name isn't actually grande. Here's the clip. And then they listened to her say her last name and they still called her. They're like, yeah, but I, I feel comfortable calling her Grande. I'm like, defeats the point. <laughs> That's like a, a, a Demi Moore, Demi Moore situation yeah. Yeah. where it's like, I, I, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. But whatever you I, want I, to be called, I'll, I'll yeah, call you. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you, because of course, getting involved in like they, they were in, it, well, to each their own, but. I know Mandy Moore from uh, A Walk to Remember, and mm -hmm. I've seen like you know the song Candy because I, I grew up listening to that, and it's so interesting to see her career choice of like this is the girl that sings Candy, then she's in like How I Met Your Mother, playing a mm -hmm. total badass, then This Is Us, and I'm like all over the place. But like, did you ever get a chance to really talk to these people and say like, oh, I'm thinking of doing this, or was it more or less like, okay, you guys, you guys are on the show, I'm just, I'm just here. Whatever I can do, I can do. But did you ever like pick their brains on any of this kind of stuff? Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, I know when stepping onto a set, if it isn't my show, I'm stepping into your world. And so I'm here to fulfill what I'm here to fulfill. Yeah. And with Victorious, that's kind of what was my job was to go and, and be there and make sure I nailed it yeah. and make sure that everything worked well because it's, it is work. You know, it's as much fun as it is and kind of meeting everybody and, and being cordial and kind of learning about everybody. It is work. It is a job. And so you do want to show up and you want to be prepared and it's, you want to be in it. With that said, when you're not filming, it's not like nobody's talking to each other. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so it's like break and it's like, okay. Yeah. And yeah, it's not like that. It's kind of people kind of converse and um, Victoria Justice and I um, share the same voice teacher. So her and I are, are friendly with each other, you know, just to kind of talk and just, Hey, how's everything been? Like, I love yeah. 
and then well, you, you love your shirt you know it looks so cool just very human <laughs> aspects yeah. and same with ariana and and everybody on set really it was just a very kind of like a family where you just kind of just talk and you just kind of hang out i didn't get into any deep stuff i was not yeah, like yeah. here's my song that's always weird it's always <laughs> weird unless it's unless it flows into conversation naturally yeah, if, it, if, if one of them brought it up, like, hey, I'm doing a song, she's doing a song, and then you're like, well, actually, it's kind of cool because I'm actually doing a song, too, and then too. that flows. Not like if they're like, actually, uh, I'm getting pizza, you want a pineapple on yours, you want a And bologna. I'm like, yeah, and I have a song, which I <laughs> think <laughs> like, is that a, is that a code? Do you want something on your pizza called a song? You're like, they just no. just kind of look at you and you're like, what are you doing, man? Um, <laughs> and it's, I don't know, it's weird. But like with, with Mandy on This Is Us, it was like right before Thanksgiving. So we were just talking about that. I was like, oh, where do you go home for Thanksgiving? You know, what are you what are you looking forward to? And she was just, yeah, it's going to be nice to blah, blah, blah. And I was on Victoria, the set, for about two hours. So that was a really quick shoot. Um, okay. Victoria, this was more like a week where yeah. I was still doing school and I was doing all of that stuff. But with This Is Us, it was, you know, this quick and just kind of human being and just yeah. seeing that Mandy Moore is also a human being. And I'm not yeah. going to be like, oh, oh, my God. You know, like – and girl uh, immediately even you know that's hey you're a human and we're gonna just have a conversation and it's like it's like i've been in the end zone before yeah like, yeah not the first time being there it's like and yeah. even when i'm on stage it's like i've been here before it's like i know what i'm doing even yeah. if in my brain i'm like oh, i have no idea what's going on <laughs> um you kind of just yeah i'm super cool cool as a cucumber we're gonna keep it easy breezy you know yeah. i feel like that's funny because like i'm so used to doing conversations like it's from the canada perspective or even the newfoundland perspective like our kind of joke down here is we don't care if you're like a fisherman or if you're like in like five broadway plays or like the biggest movie ever it's like you're a person to us and i believe and like conan even says when he goes back to like because i'm a big conan o'brien fan i was like he even says when he goes back to boston they don't even give you the chance of like being Conan. They're like, ah, you think you missed a popular get to the back of the line. He's like, I was going to the back of the line. Calm down. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Big shot. And you're just like, I like that. But there's a part of me that when we had like, say Bob Saget on Mm -hmm. and I I was like, Oh, it's Bob Saget. Like I grew up watching him, blah, blah, blah. But like, there is still a part of you that's like, Oh, we have Bob Saget on. Like Like, we have Bob Saget. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was just, I was just like trying to think of it two different ways. Like I'm not going to be a, a, a total fan, but like, mm-hmm. I feel like podcasting and I guess when you have like these general conversations with people too, like you don't have to go over the moon, but you can still be a little bit of a fan. Like you could say, if you had him on, like, listen, uh, like I loved you when I was younger and blah, blah, blah. But like, that's your moment. That's your little piece. Yeah. You don't go to the whole rest of the conversation and be like, Oh my God, then tell me this. And then tell me that. And mm-hmm. then you're like, what did I sign up for? <laughs> yeah. And then it's, you know, it's, it's respect. Yeah. It's kind of like I respect you for doing what you did. It was a big impact on me, and, um, and I love that. And they're like, oh, you yeah. know, and it's, wow, that, that means a lot. And, and, of course, picking your brain is, I mean, that's yeah. what we're here, you're here for and, like, what we're doing. It's yeah. kind of like, oh, how did in, in this situation, you know, what was that like for you yeah. instead of, like, and my friends and I, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a different kind of a, it's just a human, you know, yeah. it's a human who've, who's had an impact on your life. So that kind of means maybe a little bit more. The other one I want to ask you to kind of get into a little bit more of your mm-hmm. career. Cause I just thought it was interesting. Like again, when we have people on that were like in TV shows or whatnot, mm-hmm. like, especially when you have those names uh, again, picking the brain of like, okay, have you talked to this person? But I want to ask you like when you're on these TV show sets, mm-hmm. was it still in your back of your mind? Like, obviously being the musical theater side, is there really a difference to you in like say musical theater compared to a television show? Uh, the style of acting is very different in a theater show. You know, you're performing for a large amount of people and the person in the back paid for their ticket. And you want to make sure that you can express what you're expressing and them feel it all the way in the back with television that person is right there <laughs> and they can, and you can be very small with your reactions and your choices while theater, it's very grand. And yeah. like, if you're expressing stuff, it's bigger, you know, uh, imagine you were watching this is us. And it was, you know, someone was like, I'm so upset with you. Like, ah, you know, it would be, you'd be like, what the hell is happening? Like, it's, be, it's more like dramatic, I guess when it's more, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just, um, it's just bigger because it's, 
it's it's live and it's happening and you're like okay cool this is if if somebody was just wiggling their eyebrows on stage you wouldn't yeah really feel it as much because you're not as close you can't that intimacy isn't yeah isn't there's the benefit of yes of like you know on a tv set too because they're creating it for someone to watch later or watch like mm-hmm. on a certain program like there's the benefit of say different camera an- angles and like yeah. when you're mentioning like because that's a really good example of like you know if you're watching friends and you see ross's reaction or joey's reaction like the eyebrows are where it's like i, I don't know mm-hmm. if you watch friends but like the the I episode where they, where they find out and then you see joey's reaction like <gasps> like you mm-hmm. don't see that so much in theater so that's when they actually have to like make it like <gasps> and like with yeah, him, and like, and like, oh just, my god okay yeah. so we're supposed to be just as surprised as he is <laughs> it's just a little it's a, just a little different uh, different techniques you know different forms of kind of how it goes but it's still acting the knob is turned a little higher yeah it goes from basically like if you were doing like it's like oh my god someone ate my pizza pocket and you hear a laugh track and then you're just like who could have done that where it's in like theater it's like Oh my God! Someone ate my pizza it's pocket. Just, it's just <laughs> like, like, you know. yeah. And if it's a musical, you'll hear like, "Who ate his pizza pocket?" You hear like the, you hear music beforehand of just like, dun, 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 yeah. Dun. It's just a, like it's like something really intense. I'd be like, I don't know what musical it came to see. It's like Brian. It says on the marquee, "Who ate my pizza pocket?" Yeah, he literally right. said the line. I'd be like, I'd be like, "Oh man, I thought it was something more deep." <laughs> Yeah, no, I would just be like, yeah, he said the title. Nice. Yeah, yeah he said, like, that he said it. I, like, I, that is what I came for. And yeah. then you just see everyone walk out. It's like, no, no, yeah. no, there's more. Come back. Like, no, you said the title, man. It's yeah, all good. I, yeah. It's complete. I, I want to ask, because, of course, going from the musical side into the music side, like, when did you really develop this interest into music? Because I, we will talk about Foolish and, mm-hmm. like, other work that you've done with music. But, like, I, I want to ask you, like, when did that kind of – turn because earlier you said you were a jack of all trades like was it always kind of 50 50 music and theater well, or at some point where you're like this one's coming a little bit more valuable i've always sang so yeah. like i like popped out singing apparently <laughs> like that's what my, my parents <laughs> tell me like that i was just whenever i could i would sing jazz hands <laughs> yeah like I, I i my one of the stories is that i got up on the table in Long Beach Island, which is off the coast of New Jersey, and just started singing Mambo Number no. Five. Love that song. for nobody. Yeah. Like it was just like me and everybody kind of huddled, and but that was kind of just do. And so I've always been a singer. I started taking voice lessons at like twelve, so that's also helped me. But like I said, I started writing music around fourteen, kind of right when my voice, and from then on, I've just wrote music i used the writing as kind of a way to process like what i was feeling emotions that i was having and i didn't share it with anybody i sang i sang and i would you'd hear me singing all the time and everybody knew i sang but they didn't hear my own stuff and write my music for me and a friend of mine I wrote a song and she was kind of like, yo, you got to play this for people. She's like, because this is, this is like incredible. Thanks. And I was like, nah, I don't, you know, I don't really want to. And she's like, no, 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 you are doing a disservice by holding it. So you need to, you need to put it out there and let other people hear it because they feel this way and you need to give them that. She sounds like, like a very, very, she sounds like a very like amped up person where it's almost like, uh, like when you're like, man, I don't feel like doing this today. It's like you were doing a disservice, but not doing well, it. Was, it was, it was really just like, like a really, you know, you know, a moment, but with two friends where it was just like really pointed and it was not like, I'm going to move all the bullshit and I'm going to get away from everything that is outside this room. And I'm yeah. going to be straight up honest with you. I know you're afraid to do this, but you need to do it. And I was kind of afraid. It was more like, because I've been performing, like I'm fine with performing, but it was, I was always wearing a mask of a character. I was never myself, you know, putting on the Troy things. It was, this is what the writer and this is Troy is is a pawn in the, in the game of it all. It's not like here's Troy's game and, and welcome. This is kind of what he's written. Yeah. And, she kind of gave me that little push that I needed. And a week later I, I booked like a show at a coffee shop 
and I played it and it was like this crazy spiral of like, I booked a show at this coffee shop. That song was then sent to, um, to my producer unbeknownst to me. And, uh, Marty Fredrickson heard it and was like, come out to Nashville. And I was like, wait, yeah. what? And he was and like, yeah, worked, come out to Nashville. And he's worked with like big people like Carrie mm-hmm. Underwood and Carrie Underwood yeah. and, and, uh, Daughtry and, and Aerosmith. Yeah. And so I was like, um, okay. And my aunt lived in Nashville. So I was like, I'll go there for the summer. And I went and I met Marty and hung out for the summer. And I was like, Whoa, this is, this is awesome. And there was a big part of me that was always like, do you like music or acting more? And I never wanted to answer that question because if I liked music more, I just spent the past 10 years doing acting. Yeah, and I've been I've wasted my time in quotation marks for everybody who's not watching the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought about it now, but I wouldn't have had all the experiences that helped me build the songs to learn to meet the people and, and to get me to this point. I always found, you know, now that like I look back on my life and kind of the, the stories and everything that's kind of built up and music's always been there. I love acting. I really do. It's very fun and I enjoy being on set and being a part of the system. Like I said before, like in the, in the creation of it all, being part of the system sounds like super bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> part of the system. Part of the system. <laughs> no, but it's like I, part of like the creative process of, of, of movies and television and all that stuff. But there's something absolutely like euphoric about performing a song that I've written to kind of sing it and to see it connect in it human beings face of like, Whoa, I've just changed your world a little bit. Yeah. I like the example that you mentioned where you said like compared, like you're just a pawn and someone else's kind of mm-hmm. game plan where, when I think of it, of course it comes to like the sports metaphor where, you know, if you're down by a goal in hockey or you're down by a basket and like your coach is telling you, this is the game plan. And then you do that game plan and it doesn't work out. It's like, well, I did his game plan. That wasn't mine. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you have some kind of a, a get out of free jail card or something. But yeah. like when it, when you're the one who then drew up to play and you're the one missing it, it's like, I, I, this is make or break. Like I did this, like hockey. If I'm telling, if I'm the captain of the team in ball hockey and I'm like, all right, this is the play I want you to do. And if they, mm-hmm. if that doesn't work, it's on me. But mm-hmm. if just say someone else says, actually, we're going to do this play. And then they work, it works out for them. I'm like, God damn, like you yeah. great. Like, it worked out for you it. good. And it's kind of like, okay, instead of hockey, I'm making my own game. And this is the game that we're going to try to sell to millions of people. <laughs> Nobody knows the rules to this game. There's semi-rules. There's guidelines. Yeah, I have to get points by doing something. Yeah. And there has to be an end and a beginning and a middle. And so that's kind of what this EP is. We've made yeah. the game. And yeah. we're going to go see if the world – likes it. I mean, I, I, I think they really are because it's a little different than the games that are being played right now. It's unique and full of, it's like nostalgic, but in a good way and, and also kind of a future as well. It's everything. It's classic and timeless. And that's, that's what, a, you know, music and what every game should be. I like though, when you said, of course, like, when you said about whether you like music or acting better, like we've had actually a Canadian act or a Canadian, I guess like actor or music on as well. And he like said the same thing you do. He doesn't like the questions. Like, why can't we do both? It's like, I get that. But I like how you kind of elaborate a little bit more of like, I think about it when you go back and think of memorable moments in your life or things that you relate to, like it always comes back to say like a song. Like I don't, not that it's anything dismissive of people in movies. Cause yes, there's iconic roles that you think of, but like, when I'm thinking of a, a sad moment or a happy moment, there's a song that comes to mind, right? Mm. Or it's like when I'm thinking of a, a sad moment or whatever, I'm not thinking of like, oh man, like I remember that time in Mr. D. It's like, no, I'm remembering a song lyric. So it, that's what it going, kind of goes to. But people do have like their favorite m- movies or moments. But I do like, like you said, the music aspect of stuff touches, I feel like people a little bit more just because, yeah. again, music is a way that we learn things obviously like we even do it to this day where you're saying like abc to remember what comes after it's not like yeah. abc you're like abc you're like okay you're yeah. getting the melody right so music is magic 
when you're talking about, of course, your EP and mm-hmm. Foolish, like I've actually listened to it a few times before we did the interview, and I was like, I was like, okay, I, I like the sound, but tell me a little bit more about how it came to be, because I read you were talking about being having a very supportive family. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's a part of that in the funny aspect where they're like, wait, this guy wants to go from New Jersey to LA. And when he's in the back of our car, he's always like doing this. It's like, yeah, get him mm-hmm. the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> like let him go. That's more peace in the house. But you told in an interview that mm-hmm. it was kind of like the, the whole reason that foolish came to be was like, you were in a relationship with someone that wasn't mm-hmm. really supportive of mm-hmm. your decisions. Like explain that a little bit further. Yeah, so I was um, in a relationship with someone. It was long distance, which is always difficult. And that's nothing against person. Um, it was just wasn't a, a fit. And, yeah. and there was a lot there. And when I wrote Foolish, it's like we, we broke up because I was just at the last ship. And it was just there are a lot of things when it comes to dating an actor that it is you got to kind of be okay with. Yeah. It's like, if I have to kiss somebody in a scene, <laughs> you kind of have to be okay with it. And it's not like I'm kissing them in the scene and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm kissing this person. <laughs> in the scene. It's like I'm kissing this person in the scene because I'm working yeah. and that's what I have to do. I'm not going to be like, excuse me, the person I'm dating does not like it. <laughs> Um, can, you ima- so, can you imagine just how many movies and roles would be ruined where it's like, it okay, the, so ti- the Titanic, okay, you have to kiss. And it's like, actually, I just got out of a relationship with this girl and I'm in another one. And then they're like, and she that's just the not whole thing in the movie. Do, like <laughs> anything. And it was just, and that was just not, we weren't on the same page about that. As I have grown up and realized what I value in my life, for me, instead of trying to make everybody else happy, yeah. I'm going to make myself happy first to then make other people enhance my happiness in, in yeah. a way. One of the things that made me have having someone who supported the things I did and, and me enjoying the things I did. And when I wanted to do something and I was close, like if I've had a few calls, wanted it, and then a significant other or someone in my life being like, oh, I don't really want you to get yeah. this because fill in the blank. And I'm yeah. like, that's not, that doesn't help like at all. Like that is not the, that's like the opposite of, of a <laughs> halftime speech yeah. of like, we're going to go out there and we're going to, we're going to not get the job because it's almost like the two different halftime speeches is like when you go in and it's like, it's like, I know we're down by 20, but like, you know, if you push a little bit further and you do this and we do we that and, it's like, and then it's like, okay, Dale, your turn. And it's like, you're down by 20. We could be down should, by 40, but we're down by 20. And we could mm-hmm. be down by 10, but we're down by 20. And this sucks. You all suck. How did you let this well, happen? It'd be more like you're winning and you go into halftime and it's like, you're getting there. You're almost there. But I think we should just forfeit because I don't really want to be here anymore because I don't like the tension that is this game. And that was like, it, it, it's funny and I can laugh about it now. But at the time I was like, I was like, what am I supposed to do? You got to choose. Exactly. I got to choose. And I made the choice to better myself and time went on and um, it was Halloween and I, you know, went out on Halloween and woke up the next day a little hungover and <laughs> I hated that because it was a Thursday and I was like, it's Thursday, I'm hungover, it's really gloomy. Yeah. And I looked at my phone and I saw that I had a text from my ex and it didn't say anything important. It was just like answering something and I just felt this like mixture of of heartbreak and and guilt and just full of just I was upset that I still had feelings for this person even though I was the one who broke up with them and and that's kind of where where foolish came from because I felt foolish and yeah. I was I sat down at my piano and I just I just busted the whole thing out I just played the whole song I like wrote it in four or five hours and just let all the emotions come and when we got into production there was like an extra verse that we kind of cut and we kind of sped it up a little bit and changed some things, but that's the beauty of production. It's kind of like, Hey, let's make it a little prettier, but it was, yeah, it was just like a full moment of just like raw emotion. I think that's where, I think that's where like a lot of people, like, you know, even say famous people when they got their, their most popular songs or like, it's a relatability, right? Like it's like what you came down to when you said your friend was sitting with you and kind of giving you that real speech, like mm-hmm. cutting out the bullshit where like people have to hear this. And 
I think a lot of like young musicians are like when they're first coming out, they're kind of tempted of like, you know, do I want to be this raw? Do I want to put all this in a song? Like, it's funny because I mentioned this on one of our other podcasts that Olivia, I think it's Olivia Rodrigo. Someone had made a tweet of like, man, I wish I had Olivia Rodrigo when I was like smaller. And then they were like, shut the fuck up. We had Taylor Swift. And then I was like, that's true at the time. And I've said it too, where it's like, Taylor Swift comes out with songs about relationships and you have Michelle Branch, Alanis said, and you're just thinking like, okay, like this person's writing this song and like you're thinking it's for a mass audience because yeah, that's what they want, but it's basically them telling you their emotion and if you can relate to it, great. So that's what I think is kind of interesting when you said, you know, you took four or five hours to write it down and then it's literally the meaning of foolish. It's not like someone's like, all right, so you got the song written, now why are we going to call it? The beauty yeah. of songwriting is you can make songs like that. Like, yeah. I I know I've written some songs that are a little more abstract, straight to the point, and I, I really enjoy that. I'm just like, hey, here is the big scope of it, and I'm going to have you like what like, you like. Yeah, like, like tell me when what, people what part. Me, yeah. A lot when people, people ask me a lot, like, hey, what's this song about? Yeah. Or what is this? And I kind of always sit and, and look at them and be like, what's it mean to you? Because if I wrote foolish about a relationship and someone more like, Oh, it's about, you know, my relationship with my parents, or yeah. I had this, this job interview that I had to leave this job and I felt like stupid that I, you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. But if I take their idea and I'm like, nah, it's not that it's this, yeah. maybe they don't connect to it as much. Yeah. So it's kind of always up to interpretation. Of course. Now we're in, 2021 i was about to say 2020 because they're all intermingled right now 2021 but, yeah <laughs> tell me like how you've been handling like covid and yeah. like of course trying to create this ep during this time because i know some artists have come out and said we will wait until everything is a little bit opened up where we can actually do shows and promote this but like how did you get it really affected by covid it was definitely an interesting time for everybody i think it was a little bit of a blessing because it helped me focus and because I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have any other thing that I could set my mind on to escape in yeah. quotation marks. As much as I want to finish all 15 seasons of supernatural, I just didn't, I couldn't get, I couldn't, I, I, I'm a very, I like to be productive and I just came off of two shows in New York city the day before the national emergency hit. So I got okay. back and I had the, like the bug to do shows and I just wanted to do, to do shows. And I was seeing all of my friends do like Instagram live. And my dad was like, Hey, why don't you do an Instagram live, but like on the driveway and just play for an empty cul-de-sac. And I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> like, are you crazy? I'm going to be, nobody's going to be there yeah. and I'm going to be playing and they're going to, everybody's going to be like, who's this crazy guy singing outside. But of course that's not how it is. That's always yeah. the internal thought that is just the fear and anxiety. Yeah. But when he said it, I was like, you know what? That's, that's actually a really good idea. Even though I was saying all these things, it was like, yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. I got to go and get uncomfortable and find the comfort in the uncomfortable and just go for it. And so I did, and I let my neighbors know. I was like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just start playing some music. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. We'll come out and listen if you, you know. Oh, nice. Whatever. And I was like, okay. So I had, you know, four or five people, my neighbor, listen. And I was like, yeah, I'll do this every week. And so I, over COVID, from April 2nd to October, maybe it was the 22nd, I played I started doing every other week when my friend Evan, who's Evan Fredrickson, Evan okay. Fredrickson, who is um, my producer's son, he's also joined me, and we kind of started doing it. And slowly, just people from the neighborhood would just flock every Thursday to this cul-de-sac, and we were socially, of course, we went, you know, create a whole thing. But it got to the point that in July, we had like a July Fourth, like, yeah, we're gonna do a show. We had 175 people there. Nice. Like and considering like with COVID and everything. And COVID and everybody, like, yeah. everybody in the neighborhood came with their kids. And it was like a BYOB and a BYOB 
and you bring your own chair and you sit down and you kind of just everybody had their wagons and like people were blowing bubbles and it was a really wonderful beacon of hope in this little neighborhood on my street, Calvin Court, which is why the EP is called Calvin Court. It's kind of an homage to all the neighborhoods that did this because I've heard stories of, oh, this person played here and this person was playing for the apartment complex. And it's kind of what Calvin Court captures is that, yeah. that all the people who and brought hope and created and gave back during COVID and created something more than what they were doing. And COVID gave me the experience to play more. I mean, I did 25 shows over the summer and that was like more than most people did. And I was able to iron out the, the kinks and, and, and understand what it's, what it takes to kind of do more of, of the performing, but also tuning the guitars and, and speaking the right amount of time. Being sure you don't unplug your guitar while you're playing it, which happened. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like by stepping on the cord, you know, it's those types of things. And, and then I got to be able to record the EP. I mean, the, the whole EP was recorded in the COVID era in, in quotes. Yeah. Again. It was, it was a blessing for me. And I'm glad that nobody in my immediate family got sick. I became yeah. a first time uncle. And that was just a, I, I don't have words for how, how wonderful that felt. And yeah. how it feels now, and to be like looking at my brother and 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 my niece and and my sister in law and be like, you made this, yeah. Like this is, and I love this so much, even though there's no words and I can't, and and you don't do anything, but it's like yeah. I, I love you so much. Wait, wait and, till I get older. I have a nephew and niece, and there's a point in time mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, like great love you and then there's a point in time where you're like oh my god like just no can you just go away there's no way there's no way she's too cute she's oh, too yeah, cute yeah yeah no you Always like smiles. i said you have, to, you have to wait until like oh like i i think they're like seven i think i believe it's like seven eight or around that age and it's like they're always just there's moments where you're like great like you think like you idolize me or like you like great you always want to be around and there's other times where they like come up to your face and be like why is this in your room? Why do you got that about? Like, what's on the go? And you're like, can you just not? Can you not? Well, see, the thing about me is, like I said before, I was a spaz when I was younger. <laughs> so, like, I still have that. Like, hey, why are there two guitars on the wall? And why are there fish? And I'll be like, well, because the two guitars are like this. And the fish are... And if your favorite color was a different color, what color would that be? Yeah, and I'm uh, like, well, all right. Here we go. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's, get, let's have a really deep... Con- my favorite color is green. But if I had a different favorite color, then my favorite color. Yeah. It would, like... I can combat that and maybe sometimes I'll be tired, but I don't know. I kind of look forward to that. Yeah. yeah. If I did that, they would just come up with more and more questions. I'm just like, I thought I defeated this game, but mm-hmm. clearly not. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do like your answer though. Of course, when you said about being named Calvin cord and because it's interesting, like, I guess they call it Easter eggs or I, I'll call it a Timbit because we're Canadian, but nice. You know, we have bands up here like Headley or the Arkells, and it's like re- realizing why they called themselves the Arkells or why it was a band named Headley or like the ones I was really surprised at. And I, I was just kind of like, how did I not know this? But like Halsey, it's like her name is yeah. Ashley, but she just rearranged it. And then she mentioned about, I think it's like in New Jersey or something. There's like a Halsey Street or something of that nature. I think it's New Jersey, but like. I was like, oh, that's so fascinating that this all worked out for you because I feel like it takes a lot of effort, but then sometimes they're just like, no, man, I just sat down and was like, how can I rearrange this? Like, mm-hmm. I came up when I was like younger when I thought I was going to be like a musician. I was like, I like the color blue and I feel like I'm a little bit emo at this age, so death. I'm like, combine it, bless. And then someone's like, that's a killer name. I'm like, yeah, but my songs are not emo. It's like, that's a boom. It's like a disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, there you go. There's my band it name, is yeah, and then when people go to see you, they expect like you know, I guess like a Kiss remake or something. And it's just you. They're like, I am Bleth. They're like, he is a nerd. Well, it also, it also sounds like breath. Yeah, yeah. Know? Like so, that's like it's a very vulnerable thing, and like connecting to the yeah, earth yeah. is very like your breath. And so it's like, oh, it's a whole different. That's a whole different that, I, music. I was not that deeply connected. <laughs> I was just sat there for like two minutes. I was just to like blue and uh, yeah, death. That let's do that. And then it's like it. that, that's the amount of time done. you have. I'm like, yeah, done. Done. <laughs> wrapped up the last thing i want to ask you like to kind of close out the interview is like yeah. explain something with now the the ep 
and where you expect it to go, things that you're happy about it. I love all the songs in the EP. I really do. I love the way top to bottom that it, you listen to it. I know that we have the three singles um, that were released, Unbreakable, Undercover, and Foolish are all on the EP. And then we have the three other songs, which are uh, Mistake, Five, and Guilty. And yeah. Mistake was actually that song that my friend told me to go play. And it's the reason I kind of came to Nashville. And so for it to be a, a, the number two slot in the EP is like a really great feeling. And it's one of those songs that everybody just gets. You know, it's a really, really easy listening song. And where it is in the EP, it kind of goes from it's like such a motivational anthem of like, you've got this, you know, you're unbreakable to this kind of early John Mayer. If John Mayer went to the beach yeah. and kind of just hung out there, like it kind of has that feeling of just, it's, it's groovy, but it's, it's just a perfect number two easy listening that then leads into undercover, which is a little more spicy, kind of gives it that upbeat fun. And then, and then of course, foolish to kind of, kind of hit them yeah, yeah. right there with the ballad and and five is is a five minute friend um I, we call it five which is the fifth song on the ep of course it has which to. i was like if it if it's not the fifth song yeah. it's going to be ruined yeah. everything's going to be wrong it needs to be the fifth song i love that song I, I love it it's one it's definitely a crowd pleaser even when i started playing it at the cul-de-sac show people would always ask me hey when's five coming out when's yeah. when's five minute friend coming out because I love it's you know I love how like fun and, and boppy it is and and I was like oh yeah it'll, it'll come out soon and, yeah, and don't worry it's there. time has it's come like it's it is coming yeah it's coming and to end the EP with guilty which Evan and I wrote together Evan and I also wrote Unbreakable together but it was New Year's Eve of 2019 so we were going into 2020 and we were like this year's going to be our year let's go baby we're doing it we were getting ready to go to a new year's eve like roaring 20s party so we're both in rapper suits and he just sits down at the piano before we're going he plays this little melody and i just singing this the chorus that i had written down for something and i was like oh this is really cool and it's just such a human song you know for it to be i'm guilty to be human it it gives to live for ourselves and we have to make decisions that might sometimes affect other people but it betters us and i can't explain why i'm feeling this way but it just is and for that song to end the ep and the last lines of the ep that i sing are baby these are my last words and that's the end oh. of the EP. And that's yeah, the last lyric you hear in the EP. It's like, it's just a perfect conclusion yeah. to the EP. And so. Leave them with a cliffhanger. Exactly. Until the next one, you know, yeah. until, until we come back and it's, uh, everybody has a different favorite song, which, which really makes me happy. And to be able to kind of see and hear the responses of everybody has been, has been really nice. And, yeah, it just it just means a lot. That's kind of what we're doing. We're 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 just we're trying to change the world one song at a time, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean to wrap it up with these last words on this podcast. Is there anything that you want the audience to know? The like that when they go out and uh, purchase the CP or when they listen to those songs? Because I'm actually like I've obviously heard Foolish like through YouTube and yeah. your management was like, Oh, like check it out. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. But when you mentioned now about five, I'm intrigued because you really sold it to me. But I, I was, I was actually wondering about this cause now I'm going to actually go back and look at this too. Cause where you mentioned about singing mumbo number five, mm -hmm. I wonder on like Lou Bega's con or like Lou Bega's like CD is mumbo yeah, number five. Number five. <laughs> you know what? We're going to find out. Let's, let's find out real right time. now. Real time. Let's find this out. Um, which uh, if it's not, if it's not, that's bad marketing. And then we realize how far marketing it's not, it is bad marketing because <laughs> you have to just go for it. I mean, you can't not have a number in a song and it not be that number. Yeah, exactly. The, let's, let's find out. It's number one. Oh man. It's right that's off bad the marketing. bat. Marketing is coming I mean, so far. <laughs> I mean, it is like, you know, in, in EP world or, or, album world the first song you got to come out with like a banger yeah so i get that because that song's a total banger yeah they just missed an opportunity you know yeah. but that's why like we got it. we picked it up 
yeah, we yeah. got. I feel like I feel like not that I know a lot. Like I, I know what sometimes with an actual record you'll have like I guess ten or fifteen odd songs. But like mm-hmm. to me now, and I'm I feel like going back in time and seeing any song that has like a number in it and being like, okay, I wonder on their soundtrack was that the number that they have. And if it's not, I'm going to be upset. It's just, it's just one of those things that I was like, there's no way. <laughs> that I can put this out and have a song called Five Minute Friend and five and then in parentheses Minute Friend and it not be the fifth song. There's no way. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because uh, I'll, I'll get the people who will be like, they missed a big opportunity. You know, five and five. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Troy for coming on to the show. Remember... You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thanks for listening, and good night. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. Such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.